Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. I mean, I remember when I was in the hospital and I was weakened and I was in pain with the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer and a, and a healthy male nurse came into the room there and he was lost and, and I brought him the gospel and then I said to him one time, I said, I've got a question for you. Here I am, my body is devastated with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and here you are, you're healthy, you're in great physical shape, but I'm a child of God on my way to heaven. You can't say that. So the question I have for you today is, which one of us is really in worse shape? And Jacob was in worse physical shape, clearly, than Pharaoh, but he in much better spiritual shape than Pharaoh was. So Jacob blesses Pharaoh. So Jacob standing before Pharaoh in his horrible condition, he had a priest of God. It reminds us of Paul. Paul, he's a prisoner before the Roman ruler Agrippa, and he says to King Agrippa, in uh, the, the, the history is given to us in Acts 26, 28, Acts 26, 28, that Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. So from this scene, Jacob blessing Pharaoh, we, we can say to Jacob, thank you, Jacob, for showing me the example I need to be of a man who forgets about himself and gives himself to be concerned about others. So uh, it reminds me of, of uh, last night. I, I had to call the bank in, in, uh, in Israel to set, up a, uh, to set up a bank account there. You know, nowadays, the banks don't just set up accounts for people. they got to make sure your name is not El Chapo. And so a lot of que- some questions, who are you, and so forth. And I thought, you know, I gotta finish my, I've got to finish my lesson. I've got to finish my lesson. But I knew God had called me, and so I spent over an hour with that man in, in, uh, in Israel there telling him how I came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just forgot about it. And then God helped me through the rest of the night. So that was, praise the Lord. But to the surprise of all, Jacob lives, goes on and lives in the land for another 17 years until, like I said, he's 117 years old. But he has this great concern. Jacob has a great concern. And he calls for Joseph. And Joseph comes, and we read what happened in Genesis 47, 29. Genesis 47, 29, where we read, The time drew near that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. But I will lie with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. And he said, I will do as thou hast said. And he said, Swear unto me. And he swore unto him. 
And Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. So finally the time has come. In verse 29, Genesis 47, 29, 47, 29. The time drew near that Israel must die. Jacob knew that, so Jacob calls for his son Joseph. Joseph finds his father very anxious, very upset. Jacob has a need he wants Joseph to do for him. Jacob asks Joseph to solemnly promise to him that he's going to do what he asked for. Put his hand, Joseph should put his hand under Jacob's thigh. It's the same thing that Abraham did with his servant Eliezer. When he was so upset, he was so anxious, Abraham was, that Isaac should not marry a Canaanite woman. And so Joseph puts his hand under Jacob's thigh, and Jacob says to Joseph in verse 29, Genesis 40, 47, 29, 29, bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. It's not that Jacob was not appreciative for this beautiful, comfortable living conditions that he had living in the best of Egypt up there in the land of Goshen. But Jacob knows Egypt is a land of immorality and idolatry, and he does not want to view Egypt as his home. He wants by his grave to make a statement that Egypt was not his home. So Jacob wants Joseph to swear he saw him to swear. He says, he says to him, I will lie with my fathers in their burying place. I haven't come to, 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 to a better place. I want you to do that for me. Swear unto me. And he swears unto him. And then he bows his head. He bows his head. He wants his dead body to be buried with Abraham and Isaac as a last statement that Jacob did not yield to the pleasures and the good life of Egypt, that he kept his pilgrimage to heaven. And so he wants the world to know that Jacob came into Egypt as a pilgrim, rejecting this world, searching for God's holy city, and Jacob left this world as a pilgrim, rejecting the world, looking for God's holy city. Cain and others are going to be baptized today. That's a statement that they're making, that this world is not their home, and the rising out of the water that they have the hope to go to be with the Lord forever. That was what Jacob was so anxious over. And when Joseph promised to bury him with his fellow pilgrims, fellow pilgrims, he was happy. He was content. That was fine. It says in verse 31, he bowed himself upon the bed's head. So now that's passed. And Joseph goes back to his business of running the country of Egypt. When Joseph is told his father is sick. This is where we started. Verse 1, Genesis 48, 1. Came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, behold, thy father is sick. Now... When Joseph is told that his father is sick, he knows this is the time. This is the time. So Joseph is expecting to find his father so weak, too weak to talk, and Joseph will be doing all the speaking. He's thinking, I'm going to be doing all the speaking. I'm going to try to comfort my father, Jacob, as best I can. But that's not the case. In Genesis 48.2, Genesis 48.2, one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat up upon the bed. So Jacob now manages to muster his last strength as he strengthens himself and sits up on the bed. And as Joseph sees his father J Jacob strengthen himself on his bed to speak, Joseph is wondering, what's dad going to say? What is Jacob now going to say? And, J and is he going to say something like, do you think you can find a better doctor? <laughs> Is there not a better medicine? Can you call hospice? 
<laughs> can you increase the dose of morphine? I mean, just like Mr. Dash. Again, Jacob is not thinking of himself as all at all. In fact, in, 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 but what Jacob does is he prays a blessing on Joseph's two sons. Again, we see Jacob, the priest, pulling himself up out of his own worries and rising to his high calling as a priest. And he does with his two sons, two grandsons there, the same thing that he did with Pharaoh. I mean, how often I've heard from a person who goes into a hospital to, to visit a dear saint and comes back saying, I wanted to be a blessing to him, but he was a blessing to me. And that's what we see Jacob doing here, sick and about to die, blessing others, just like the Lord Jesus Christ. He was on the cross. He was crucified. He was weakened from the loss of blood, the loss of water. As he, he, all of his bones were out of joint from the drop of the cross into the receptacle on the ground with a huge jolt. And what does he do? In Luke 23, 34, Luke 23, 34, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's dying. He's praying for others, for forgiveness, for his torturers. So again, we say the great escape, our great escape from our own problems is being a blessing to others. That's the great escape. That's God's way. Now, but before jo Jacob blesses Joseph's sons, and Joseph has just entered the room where his dying father is, Jacob speaks. And it's interesting because when Jacob speaks, he reveals the thought that he is so deeply immersed in. And there's one thought, and it's filled Jacob's heart. It's his final moments on earth. They're coming to a close. He can see death coming, getting closer and closer to him. And he speaks in verse 3. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luce in the land of Canaan and blessed me. What is a man thinking about? Is he about to die? One word, God. He's thinking about God. That's what he's thinking about. God Almighty appeared to me. And he's thinking about how the Almighty God of the universe took time to appear to him, puny little person that he was there at Bethel. And we can see Jacob just consumed with the wonder of the truth. God Almighty appeared to me. Why should God Almighty have cared about me? And he's thinking about the circumstances when God Almighty appeared to him. It was in Bethel. It was in the lowest point of his life. He was a fugitive. He was running away from his brother Esau who had vowed to kill him. And he didn't even have time for his run. And so he didn't have a camel. He didn't have a donkey. He didn't have anything to transport food and possessions. He only had the clothes on his back and what he could quickly muster together and carry out as he ran out of the house. He was so vulnerable in that desert. He was all alone. He had to travel for over a month to try to reach uh, his uncle Laban, and that was another problem. But this was Jacob's first night out. He had run as far as he could. He had run as fast as he could from home, and now both exhaustion and darkness had just put a total stop on him. And he had to lay down to sleep. And the, and the pathetic statement when he went to bed is that his, for pillows he had stones. And, and, and a little pile of stones. That's the lowest point in his life. And then God decides to appear to him in a dream. He sees a ladder. He sees angels going up and down the ladder. He sees God at the top of the ladder. And Jacob's thinking about this. He's dying and he's thinking about this. And Joseph comes in to visit him on his deathbed. He's about to die. And he's not thinking about his poor condition. He's not thinking about the doctors. He's not thinking about the Ativan, the morphine. He's not thinking about... He, the only thing he's thinking about is, God Almighty appeared to me. 
when it was at the lowest point of my life, just like the hymn says, love divine, oh, love's excelling, joy of heaven come down, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love and praise. Lost in wonder, love and praise. That's what he's doing. He's lost in wonder, love and praise. And he's thinking about the great mercy of God that appeared to him. Why didn't God just leave him alone to die there in the desert? He was a con man. He lied to his father. He cheated his brother. But Jacob is thinking, whoa, the grace of God, I'm lost in wonder, love and praise now. As I'm thinking about how God Almighty appeared to me, nothing, I was nothing, and he appeared to me. So his heart is overflowing with this wonder as he's thinking about this. And then he, 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 he really it reminds us of what the Lord said after his crucifixion in, uh, in Psalm twenty two twenty four. Psalm twenty two twenty four is the Lord's thought was, he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him, but when he cried unto him, he heard. And Jacob is thinking about how God heard him, heard him during that time. He's thinking, he's thinking, who is like God? You know, that's the meaning of the name Michael, Michael. Who is like God? He's thinking that. Who is like God? I mean, we're challenged. We're challenged when we see something like this, see something like that. Never let ourselves sink into the state of the routine where Bible reading is just a routine, where prayer is just a routine, where coming to church is just a routine. That's why Bert Poole's song is so great. Never lose the wonder. You know that song? Never lose the wonder of Jesus' love and what he's done for you. I like this next part. Some folks do get grouchy, though born again. They sure do sing the blues. He loved you. He saved you. Forgave what you were slave to. Oh, praise him with a life that's true. Never lose the wonder of Jesus' love and what he's done for you. Anyway, that was Jacob. He never lost the wonder. He never lost the wonder. He was there amazed. It's a lifelong amazement. And that's our lifelong amazement, was when it was revealed to us how God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, became a man, died for us personally, and that's a lifelong amazement. Paul was, he was amazed. He was amazed when he thought to himself, I've just come to understand that the Spirit of God's Son is inside of me. And he says in Galatians 1.15, Galatians 1.15, but it, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen immediately, conferred not with flesh and blood. So now Jacob goes on and he tells what his heart's been thinking about in, in uh, Genesis 48.3, Genesis 48.3. When he goes on, he says, uh, God Almighty appeared to me. And then he says in verse four, and said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee, and I will make thee a multitude of people and will give thee this land and to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. So now we see he's overwhelmed at how not only did God appear to him in his most vulnerable state, but he blessed him then. And he gave him promises. He says, gonna make your children are gonna be a multitude. We can imagine, you know, Jacob dwelling on every word that God said to him. In Genesis 48.4, Genesis 48.4, when when Jacob is sitting there and he says, fruitful, God used the word fruitful. Behold, I will make thee fruitful. 
It's going to make me fruitful. He told me I was going to be fruitful in Bethel. I had nothing. I had stones for a pillow. And God's going to make me fruitful. And then he also dwells in the word multiply. He says, behold, I'll make thee fruitful and multiply. He says, multiply, multiply. God said he's going to multiply me. I don't even have a wife. He says he's going to multiply me. He says, multitude, multitude. He's God said, I'll make you a multitude. God said, I'm going to be a multitude. I don't have any children. I'm going to die here. And he says, land. He says, he's going to give me this land. This land? He's going to give it to me? I'm trying not to die on this land. And he says, everlasting. He says, God said he's going to be, give me this land forever, everlasting. So imagine him there dwelling on each word that God spoke to him. And as we see that, we see how important it is for us to dwell on each word in the Bible. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew 4.4, Matthew 4.4, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And then Jacob turned from what was happened there, what happened there about 50 years ago in Bethel to the present, actually more than 50, but anyway, to the present. And he looks at Joseph's two sons and, and, and he says in verse 11, Genesis 48, 11, 48, 11, Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face and lo, God has showed me also thy seed. He looks at two sons and he says, look at how wonderful God's surprises are. I was thinking I'd never see you again. Now I see your children. And, and at this point, Jacob knows for sure he's going to die. So he looks at Joseph, and he says to him in verse 21, Genesis 28, 48, 21, Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again into the land of your fathers. At this point, Joseph expected that Jacob was going to gasp for the last time and be gone. But that's not what happened. If God gave Jacob extra strength, and so now he has the strength, and he needs to tell each one of his sons what's going to happen to them in the future. So here again, Jacob the priest, he's blessed to Pharaoh, he's blessed to two sons. Now he's got the, each of the, he got the strength to call in all the sons. So he does that in Genesis 49.1. 49.1, Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel, your father. So Jacob starts with his sons. He starts with Reuben, and he calls him unstable. He recounts how, really, it's a shame to speak of these things that, that Reuben did. So anyway, he says he defiled his, his wife's his bed in a very immoral act. Um, and then after the pain of looking at Reuben, Jacob now hopes that maybe it'll get better, so he moves on to the next ones, which is Simeon and Levi, and instead it gets worse as he recounts how they, they used deceit to murder a whole city. And now Jacob withdraws himself in Genesis 49.6, 49.6. Oh, my soul, come not thou near unto their secret. And he curses Simeon and Levi's anger in verse 7, Genesis 49.7. Cursed be their anger. Then Jacob, his eyes are open. As he looks at Judah, and he sees that it was Judah, it is Judah, through whom God is going to send the Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the Jewish people would praise as their Messiah, who would gather together all the Jewish people again. He says that in verse 8. And then he says in verse 9 that the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And then he moves on, and he foretells what's going to happen to Zebulun, 
in verse 13, to Issachar in verse 14 and 15, and to Dan in verses 16, 16 and 17. And then in verse 18, Jacob seems to take a breath, take a break here, and just want to catch his breath. And he themes in verse 18 as that he's just venting now. He's venting his emotions at this point. He's been talking directly to his sons, but at this point in verse 18, Jacob now turns and he addresses God directly, and he says our verse in verse 18, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. So he turns now, he openly tells God that he's been waiting for God's salvation. The Hebrew word that he uses here is Yeshua, which is Jesus, So what Jacob is really saying in verse 18, I have waited for your Jesus, O Lord. Some have said, you know, the name of Jesus does not appear in the Old Testament. Well, here it is. It's one of the last words that Jacob said. It's a word of great hope. So when Jacob said that he's been waiting for God's Jesus, Jacob was saying that this was the source of Jacob's hope, that he was expecting to see God's Jesus and his hope was not going to be disappointed, as very soon he would say, like he, he could say with what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 eight. 2 Corinthians 5 eight. we are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Well, Jacob, again here, he's our example as a person who is about to receive the special crown of 2 Timothy 4.8, 2 Timothy 4.8, henceforth there is laid out for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love is appearing. So what he's saying here, what Jacob's saying in verse 18 is that he loves the appearing of the Lord Jesus. And again, Jacob, he's our example. And we got to ask ourselves a question this morning. Do we love the appearing of the Lord Jesus? The question is, do we love? I think of the little boy who was, who was told, don't get in the cookie jar, and his parents left him alone. And so if the boy is getting in the cookie jar, would he be loving the appearing of his parents at that moment? (laughs) Or would he be, no. So like the little boy getting in the cookie jar, you know, do we love the appearing of the Lord? It depends on what we're doing when he appears. And that's what the boy could say. Depends on what I'm doing, whether I love his appearing. And so therefore, we come back to the verse in 1 Peter 2.11, 1 Peter 2.11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And if we can say that, then we'll be able to say with Jacob in verse 18, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being the God of Jacob. How we love it when you call yourself the God of Jacob. So we can identify in so many ways with Jacob. And we pray, Lord, that we might finish as Jacob did in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. 
You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor, Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program and founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, would like to invite you to celebrate Good Friday on Friday, March 30th at 7 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee. Enjoy an evening of an in-depth Bible teaching from Tom Cantor, followed by a communion service on Good Friday at 7 p.m. Then join Tom in the Friendship with God Fellowship Sunday, April 1st at 5.30 p.m. for a special Easter Passover message. You are also invited to a Passover Seder dinner with Tom Cantor, Saturday, April 7th. The cost of the Passover meal is only $20. Enjoy great DZ Aikens food, fellowship, and a memorable Passover Seder message from Tom Cantor. The Friendship with God Fellowship Church is located inside the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, next to the Highway 67 and the Santee Drive-In. For more information, please call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104. Or go to our website at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.